Hello, everybody. Jeff Mason with Simple Biz 360 coming to you from the new studios. We're now recording about our fifth, sixth episode here, uh, ST Lewis podcast.com in Chesterfield, Missouri. So real excited. Hey, Alex, I don't know if you feel the same way I do, but man, Donna Abate Potter did such a great job last show. I mean, she was just awesome. Uh, I, we just loved having her. A great story. Uh, just please tune into that. You may have to watch it in some chunks, but oh my gosh, it is just a, it's a treat. So today's podcast, I have been absolutely salivating for since day one. Rick, Diana, you know what I mean. This is a podcast about Dale Carnegie. Changed me forever when I read his book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. And I think this is maybe the second version I had, but this thing's been kicking around quite a while. You can see it's all, it's seen better days. Uh, but it is just a privilege to talk about this man. Why are we still looking to him and talking about him and reading his books 75 years later after he wrote How to Win Friends and Influence People? And I, I, you know, I, I don't, the only answer I can come up with is that this guy nailed a segment of our life that regardless of decade, it just doesn't change. He's a human relations guy. How do we deal with other people? How do we, um, you know, do life and do it in a way that allows us to treat each other with respect and kindness and get a lot of good things in return? Just amazing qualities. He grew up in Maryville, Missouri. And as you know, we tape in St. Louis, Missouri. So I had to take a trip up there before I finished my book. I was up there on 2017 in October, I believe it. Man, I just, I had to walk around town just to soak it up, you know, just to, I just needed to look at it and feel it and, 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 and go up to the library and snap a couple selfies in front of the library. Man, this is where Dale Carnegie harnessed his understanding in, in northwestern Missouri. And, you know, there's no other way to describe it, but it, the essence of him is simplicity, I think. It's human relations simplicity. And what really, where's the rubber meet the road? He nails it. And I, I will tell you, it, he's been an inspiration. He is why my book is called Simple Biz 360. I worked my tail off on trying to simplify things because of what he did. So we're going to jump into him right now. And the first um, piece of uh, housekeeping I have to take care of, really, um, is one of his principles. And we're going to highlight seven of his principles today. But one of them is, if you're wrong, admit it quickly and emphatically. Right, and you do it enthusiastically as well. But so one of the things I want to apologize for is to my alma mater, Stockton University. I, I I look back on one of the podcasts we did a few weeks ago, and I really feel terrible. I did not mean any disrespect to Stockton State College, who I was referring to. That that was their name at the time. I tried to get in, but you know, Stockton was a newer college. It wasn't that hard to get in uh, for most kids. But I couldn't even get in because I was that bad of a student. So you know, I, I wanted to go there. I, as you know from my podcast, went there and loved every single minute of my education. I loved uh, the educators down there, and to this day, I'm so fond of the universe, so proud of it. So I just wanted to get that out of the way, but you know what? That's proof of the pudding right there. I'm wrong, admit it, and do it quickly and emphatically. Imagine how this changes things at home, ladies and gentlemen, to each, each of your spouses or boyfriends, girlfriends. I mean, it's an amazing 
trait that I think we um, have forgotten. You know, there's, there's certainly uh, times when it's called for and we just overlook them. So think about that. If you're wrong, admit it quickly and emphatically. I've probably got 50, 55 apology emails I've written in my day. I've got them, you know, I talk about them in the book. I've got one of them in the book. But it's something that I've had to do quite often uh, throughout my career. So that's number one. Be hearty in your approbation and lavish in your praise is number two. And that really comes from a Charles Schwab line of thinking. Charles Schwab was... uh, um, U.S. Steel uh, chairman way back in, uh, or to head it, he headed up uh, U.S. Steel under Andrew Carnegie way back in the 20s. But um, when you really think of that, what's that saying? It's make sure that you tell someone uh, that they're doing a good job if they are. Give them some form of appreciation and encouragement. I'll never forget the gentleman who, who shot the cover of our book, Michael Lodi. I'll never forget a story he told me because he was a buyer of mine for many years. Then we became friends. We even traveled over to uh, Bangladesh together on a business trip. And, you know, this gentleman was um, telling me a story one day that he had worked on a project for many, many uh, weeks and the project culminated And his boss, Steve Thomas, if you're listening, Steve, this resonates with Michael to this day. Steve Thomas said, you know, Mike did did a great job. I'm really proud of you. You really, um, you know, this is really a great, great uh, effort and great result. And that, I'm telling you, Michael rode that for months, if not years. It was just a phenomenal thing to say. And again, think about this in our own lives with our kids. How many of us forget to tell our kids, we're proud of you kids, we really, you know? And so many of us are, and so many of us just gloss over it because we're wrapped up in the busyness of the day. It just happens, you know? That's the way it goes. But think about that. Be be hearty in your approbation, lavish in your praise. Number three, remember that a person's name is the sweetest and most important sound in any language. I want to make sure I said that right. But think of that, a person's name. I I, want to throw out a challenge to you. Next time you're out to eat, do me a favor. Do yourself a favor. Ask the young lady or young man serving you what their name is right off the bat. And then call them by name throughout the dinner experience. You tell me if you don't get a better dinner experience, a better servant experience out of it. Why? Because you're doing exactly what Dale Carnegie said. You're playing into that, that, you know, we all want to hear our names. I've got to tell you, I've watched my kids grow up, and I've watched, um, I've watched plenty of kids come into my house over the decades, and it's just, hey, all right, well, I used to go in someone's house and go, you know, hello, Mr. Nelson, hello, Mrs. Nelson. Times have changed, I get it. But, you know, hey, you know, whatever. In business, it's not going to float all that well when you just go around haying people. So, you know, at home with the teenagers, fine. In the business world, when you're addressing other people and you want to get repeat and referral customers, I think you might want to check out what Dale has to say about that. So, again, you, you heard that from Dale Carnegie. Number four. Make more friends in two months of becoming interested in other people than you could in two years of trying to get people interested in you. Think about that. Wow. You know, I mean, that is just, uh, that's an amazing um, thing to rest on because really that, that says volumes about 
try to show people you're genuinely interested in them. Ask them questions about their lives. Let them tell you about them. Um, you know, it's just really, um, it's, it's one of those things that's, I think, missed a lot today in the business world and the social environments. I think we all just kind of glaze over that in, in many, many cases. But if you really focus on what I do, like, for instance, I call myself a customer satisfaction enthusiast. That's kind of my self-title. And my book is all about customer satisfaction when you boil all these tools down. And when I read that the first time in 1986 or 85, it must have been 85, man, I said, you know what? This is just, you know, it, it plays hand in hand with showing people you're interested in them and, and trying to get them feeling comfortable with you because you're not talking about yourself all the time. So think about that. Um, it's very, very powerful. I got a great recruiting story someday, I'll tell you, that, that, that rested on that principle. But, um, and, and anyway, number four, or number five, rather, um, in reading this book, this is a quote, in reading this book, if you get just one thing, an increased tendency to always think in terms of the other person's point of view. Think of that. That is what I've tried to do in my book throughout every page. I've tried to encourage you, the reader, if you want to get more out of every day that you pour into your business, the customer satisfaction that you can focus on by seeing the business through the customer lens, stepping in their shoes, sitting in their chair. That's what Dale is saying here. That's what it's all about. So just consider that. I, I know you've heard me say it before. I'll say it till I'm blue in the face for the rest of my career. You know, you really have to sit down and contemplate what does it feel like to be a customer of mine? What does it feel like to be a reader of an email I sent? Did you send it in comprehensive, understanding fashion? Did you make that phone call in comprehensive, understanding fashion? Did you speak to your spouse the way that you know they need to be spoken to, so that so that they also um, get what they need to out of that? And I'm guilty of that so many times. I'm guilty of so many of these things, to be quite frank with you. But you know that's that's just one of the things I I don't always step in my wife's shoes, and I wish I did every time. I, I probably do it, sadly, less <laughs> than I do in business sometimes. I mean, it's a sad commentary, isn't it? But we get comfortable, we get, you know, just lazy, and um, man, I mean, that, that's, a, that's a high uh, aspiration for me to have, too. So, I listen, I'm, I'm learning here right with you. Trust me, it just stuff just doesn't, you don't read it, and it doesn't become, you know, your, your standard operating procedure every single time. So, just think about that. Number five, that is so cool. Now, Rick Diana uh, submitted one. You're going to hear Rick later. He's uh, uh, Trinitas Talis, Talent Management. He's going to be a guest on one of our episodes. Just a great guy. Um, getting to know him really well in the last uh, four or five months. Been, been awesome. But um, Rick says his pick is appeal to nobler motives. And that's one of Dale's principles. And, you know, it, um, it's really uh, an interesting concept. It's, it's very deep. Uh, I encourage you to just, uh, you know, take it, take a look, um, Google it, um, and, and just, you know, kind of explore it, if you will, because it's got a lot of tentacles to it. But, but basically, um, you know, you're trying to solve problems and get things done and deal with people in a way that um, doesn't get down in the nasty. You know, it, it gets into the 
the really nice portion of being humans. It, it, it taps into that niceness. Now, I tell you, I, I read this. Um, when I read it, I was having an issue with my eyeglasses back in the mid-'80s, and uh, I read this, and I switched gears, and I tried appealing to my ophthalmologist through, you know, um, uh, nobler motives, and, oh, man, it worked. I couldn't believe it. I, got, I was going nowhere with the left hand, I chose the right hand and went through with this, and appealing to the nobler motives got me uh, the solution to my issue. And I've had some situations in life I wish I would have used it, and I haven't. So anyway, it happens. Um, number seven, and man, Alex, I am learning I really stink at number seven. Smile. I don't smile. I did a public speaking event, right? Last week, I get all these pictures back of the event, and I'm like, oh my gosh, look at Mr. Cranky Pants up there. What is the deal? I gotta smile more, right? So I'm gonna smile more now. Dale says a couple things. He says, hey, if you're not a smiler, start telling yourself that you're happy. Start you know, m making yourself um, feel that you're happy and you will become happier and, and it'll become easier to smile. And the other thing is if you're alone, whistle. Now, I remember I used to whistle a lot at work and people used to tell me, dude, you're like the, the Mr. Whistler. And I'm like, really? I don't, am I whistling? They're like all the time. So I don't know. Maybe, uh, maybe I got to get back to whistling. But at uh, any rate, smile. Smile when you talk. Smile when you're doing a podcast. Smile when you're with customers, with your kids. I, I don't do enough of it. I don't. I stink at it. So I'm going to try to smile more for sure. So I hope I'm successful. But the, but the thing is, it can't be one of those phony, cheesy deals. It's got to be real. It's got to be authentic. So just consider that as number seven, smile. And again, it's on page 70 in my book, but yeah, I'm, I mean, you'll find it in your version of the book as well, but, uh, but, but very cool. So in line with this, the, uh, you know, the lost in the track, lost in the shuffle track for the day, since we're talking about Dale Carnegie and simplicity and, and, and whistling, I'm going to pick a band that I really have always been fascinated with, and I heard Ian Anderson interviewed, uh, I guess it was the 25th anniversary of Aqualung. This is Jethro Tull. And Ian Anderson, one of the founding members of, of Jethro Tull, said that as he gets further on in his career, he loves to produce uh, much more complicated, slick, you know, sounding tracks than he did when he started out. But his ear, he said, to my ear, I love the simplistic um, music. That's what my ear likes. So thinking about Dale Carnegie is harnessing that simplistic side of our human relations fence, you know, boiling it down to just where the where the you know the plant meets the dirt. I mean, he really just makes it easy for us to understand. Ian Anderson loves simplicity, and he was talking about his flute. He's a big flute guy. And when he's talking about his flute, he said it was a Yamaha. Record school recorder that you used to get at school, like, you know, given to you from the music room. It was nothing special. It was just a Yamaha school recorder. And he, they play just an awesome, awesome uh, band, and they love uh, using that instrument. Uh, there's a lot of, you know, Irish tin whistles and things out there to capture that Celtic sound, but, man, Jethro Tull did it best with the Whistler. It's off Songs for the Wood, and it's uh, Songs from the Wood. It's 1975 called The Whistler. And again, we'll have it up here in the upper right-hand corner. So 
Folks, I appreciate you tuning in. We're going to try to be in that, you know, light and tight mode from here on out again. You know, 10, 12 minutes, really the home run zone. At any rate, uh, please um, hang on to your sand. You know what it is. It's your profitability. Don't let it uh, slip away. Please continue to please those customers. That's what it's all about. Customer satisfaction. They pay the bills. And keep the shiny side of be safe when you're out there driving. And, and, and we look forward to seeing you uh, next week for the next episode. Thanks so much. Have a great week.